What's going on, Men of Three Crosses? This is Justin Redimer checking in. Uh, hoping you guys are well. Uh, hoping your families are safe. Uh, more importantly, uh, hoping that we can get back to some semblance of reality during this. Um, praying for all you guys out there at Dawn Patrol and Dusk Patrol. Uh, praying for all your families. Um, just hoping that you can uh, find some comfort during this time of crisis and trial. Um, and that through this, we can forge uh, a better relationship with the people that matter to us and the, the things that have of transcended value. One thing that God's just been putting on my heart during all of this is the, the importance of family in our lives and, and how often in our culture we take it for granted, right? We, we send our kids off to school and we go to work and our wives, we may see them sometimes, but generally speaking, they're not really in our life. Uh, this has forced all of us, I think, to reevaluate what really matters. Uh, parents and, and grandparents and children and aunts and uncles and cousins and siblings, all of us kind of bound together during this crisis. And crisis tends to do that to us. And in the best ways, um, it brings out the best in us. Uh, I pray uh, that you guys would be well and that God would be speaking to you. And I look forward to seeing you uh, when we convene again as a community of men. God bless. Good day, my brothers, and thank you, Justin Redimer, for the great welcome. Just a few things before we get into today's study. Numero uno is there's a timer at the top of this uh, live church platform that probably says like an hour and 30 minutes left in the message. That's including the musical bumpers that Kyle puts at the end of the video so we can hang around and chat a little bit. And so don't get nervous if you logged on and go, Jesus, this guy's long-winded. No, it's the whole thing, okay? So that's number one. Number two, we're going to hear from uh, some observations that Duran Duran has and Steve Cavallaro has, which are fantastic observations that we're going to close up the First Corinthians 9 segment of our Real Deal series on how to make effective disciples, micro-discipleship as a focus of this whole lockdown and, and uh, social distancing and taking advantage of the opportunities that it's opened up, not the limitations it's put on making disciples. Because in my view, it's really offered a whole new world of opportunities. Numero three, there'll be three more messages we have together, and I'm going to unpack three of my most favorite parables that the Lord delivers, the three most challenging parables to me as a disciple and as one who's choosing to make disciples. Over the next three weeks, we're going to go back on the road out of the global headquarters of the tribal way, which, by the way, is up to some fantastic stuff that I don't want to get into, but we're going to get out of the tribal way he global headquarters and get back onto the road to unpack some of these parables, maybe like on-site type of a situation. Uh, get my microphone set, get my video set, and now uh, let's do a memory with Mark. You know, I... I have so many memories. There's something so powerful that w happens when a hundred men meet consistently in the dark, uh, laughing and praying and getting real with one another. And it, um, I'm specifically talking about Dawn Patrol. Now, Dust Patrol people don't get your panties up in a wad. No, no. We did Dawn Patrol now for 15 years, and there's something about driving through the dark. Everybody suffers to get to Dust Patrol. You got to get through traffic and all that, but it's at the end of a day. We're relaxed. We're tired. We're angst. In the morning, there's, we're still hopeful that today might be a different day, that uh, there, we, we go seeking a word from the Lord. A lot of us at Dust Patrol come for to seek a word from the Lord, to seek good fellowship, to seek 
prayer, to seek wisdom, all that. But the morning crew, there's a sacrifice. You're losing sleep. You're there before work. There's a thing that happens. And again, I want to be sensitive to my dust patrol guys. I'm not saying, y'all get to you, dust patrol guys. But I have so many memories of us in the morning as men when time stops, when a guy has shared something really personal, really emotional, really sensitive. Um, when we interview guys, I, 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 I'm thinking of Gangster Don when he started driving from San Francisco in that beat down car and having Ed Tracy, who was brand new to the Lord, get prayer from Gangster Dawn along with Vance Hunter, probation officer, and some bald dude that Ed Tracy was bringing uh, with eight kids. I think he was a Mormon gentleman. Um, and the, the intimacy. Remember, Ed Tracy was going to go kick down some doors or something, and, and he needed prayer. And I, I've never kicked down doors. I've been on the backside of those doors, not as many as Dawn has. So, Dawn, why don't you pray for Ed Tracy, captain of San Leandro Police? Like, just beautiful. And then and Ed Tracy started suffering with cancer and he would FaceTime us in on Wednesday mornings and we'd put his our iPad up on the stage and and he'd be there with us. Or Mike, who moved to Florida, was Facebooking us in, in his tidy whities I don't know if you remember that, but he was really honest and there with us and vulnerable. Randy the hip, just all the faces of all the guys, Jim Burns, all the guys that really just came in moments of emotion, tears, revelation, inspiration. Guys have come to faith in Dawn Patrol. Um, I think of my uh, son Elias when I told the story of my dad, which my son has heard his whole life and experienced, but when he heard it, it was so emotional for him and how sad that was for him, just as not somebody that's even connected to the story, but how sad that whole thing was. And just all the moments of vulnerability, I guess, of honesty and of revelation from the Lord and from his word and from his spirit and just the diversity and with fathers and sons and that kid that used to skateboard on that pink skateboard through the rain down the boulevard, didn't have a dad. Um, just all of that, I'll miss. And every, every Wednesday, and Tuesday night when I've been a part of Dust Patrol, I went away and went, there was something that I'm glad I didn't miss. When we did tailgate parties, when we did road crew dinners, when we did other things, I always went home and Kath said, how was it? And I'd say it was great and this and that. But I said, Dawn Patrol was better. Dust Patrol was better, which is why we started Dust Patrol. Because frankly, they're more intimate, they're more connected, and there's more growth, and there's more body life, and there's more... I don't know, man, connectivity, honesty than a road crew dinner. And so I just, all of just those memories, if you were there at dawn or dusk and the time stopped, pin drop quiet, we were leaning into the Lord, you know, that's special. Dozens, hundreds of times, hundreds, not just once. And so those are great memories. Those are truly great memories. And now we're going to hear a little five minutes from Duran Duran on his observation from 1 Corinthians 9. Turn to 1 Corinthians 9. I'm going to do a little bit of unpacking, and then we're going to have Steve Cavallero bring a great observation as well. 
What's up, my brothers, fellas, man? Hope you guys are doing well. Been thinking about you a, a lot, and uh, I'm just uh, checking in with you, and uh, been taking time out of my day uh, to be in the Word. I'm in First Corinthians chapter nine, and I'm looking at uh, the Apostle Paul's take on on freedom and the freedom that he has in Jesus Christ. You know, we talk about freedom. Hasn't been much around here lately. You know, I haven't worked for you know, for a few months now, uh, haven't been able to go to church and worship with everybody. Uh, even Dust Patrol, man, he's been missing that in a big way, obviously. And uh, so, been at home and I've, I've got some stuff done, but uh, yet uh, I'm just riding out the storm just like everybody else to see what's gonna, what's gonna happen next and to see what things are gonna look like on the other side of this pestilence, man. But anyways, uh, getting back to, to the Apostle Paul and uh, looking at verse 19, Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Man, so I've been wrestling with that uh, verse and, you know, and I, I come to the, to the conclusion, man, that, that, you know, it would be impossible for me to relate what Paul is saying here without uh, myself having a relationship with Jesus. You know, Paul here uh, is all in. He's showing me a big attitude of, of, of total surrender, man, and doing God's will and doing God's work and going out and reaching others uh, and as many as he can, as he can, uh, as he can win to Christ. Uh, you know, uh, Imagine, man, if I could just, uh, in this time, just say, just shake off the, the pestilence that's around us, man, and just drop the change, man, and, and go out into the, into the, you know, the surrounding, my neighborhood, uh, the stores, even maybe the possibly the hospitals, man, and just declare myself free, man, to be able to, to spread hope to everybody. You know, in a sense, that's what Paul is saying here, I think. Uh, he's dropping the change, man, on, on the things that were, Binding him, the religion, the politics, the persecution, man, and he just dropped it all, man, to say, "Hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm free, man, to, to go out and do and do uh, God's will, man, and to win as many as possible for Jesus." And you know, like Mark uh, uh, has been talking about uh, the last few messages that he is going to present some tools for us, some some insight some encouragement to be able to go out and do these things, you know, even in this period of, 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 of restraint, of, of having non-freedom, so to speak. So uh, there were two things that I picked up in this chapter. Uh, one of them is discipline, to have discipline, and the other one is to work out hard, man. I can relate to these things, you know. Uh, but it's funny, someone said, someone said, the indiscipline is a headache to himself, and a heartache to others, man. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, man? Wow. Uh, you know, I, I watched I watched a lot of, of, of uh, videos on uh, Mayweather, uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr., man. He's a, he's a fighter, he's a boxer, man. And I used to love the, his training ethic, man. And he used to uh, wail away at, at the heavy bag, man. And, and, and he just used to scream <laughs> loudly, man. Hard work and dedication, hard work and dedication. And that used to motivate me to, to, to work out harder, man, and to, and to be determined and to be disciplined and to, to get the technique right. Uh, 
you know, and just to work out, man, and, and, and make that, uh, you know, fortify my, my strength, my body, you know, and, and resistance, man. So, uh, so Paul is kind of giving us these sports analogies, man. He's talking about the race down, uh, down online in the chapter. He's talking about the race, man, uh, winning the race. Uh, he's even referring to, uh, to boxing, man, which I like, and I think he says it in, in uh, 26, where he gives these analogies, man, and he's talking about, uh, you know, he's just not wailing away at the, at the air, man, and missing, man, but he's, he's actually making his shots count, man, and so for us, man, you know, let's make our shots count when we, when we discipline ourselves up and train ourselves up, to win others for Christ, man. And, you know, the question, the bottom line is, is, you know, what can make all these things really possible? You know, uh, getting back to to uh, the very first verse here is uh, just having Jesus, like I said, man. Without Jesus, man, he, we can't do these things, man. And, and the basic principle that I see here is love, man. An attitude of love, an attitude to be able to go out and serve Christ without with love man and and without Christ I don't think these things will ever be possible uh for anyone to achieve but uh you know I I love first John three sixteen. uh talking about love talking about Jesus love it says we know what true love looks like because of Jesus man Jesus uh he gave his life for us and he calls us to give our lives for our brothers. And so uh, i just leave you with that, my brothers. And uh, I'll catch you guys uh, on the flip side here really soon, man. God bless you guys. Well, thank you, Duran Duran. And I love hearing that from a boxer. You know, Duran Duran was a boxer. He had a, had a gym. He trained boxers. He is a fighter. I love the shadow boxing thing. But this whole thing about training training to win people to Christ. The thing about training is there's something where you're not afraid to do it wrong because you know you're training. You're not afraid to try a few moves out, to try some things that you normally wouldn't in training. Push yourself a little harder in a different way. I train for different kinds of moves in surfing and I fall off a lot when I start to train to learn how to I'm trying to learn how to spin around on the nose of the board, like turn around and walk back to the tail and come back. And so I'm falling off the front of the board a lot backwards, but I expect to, and it's part of the training. And so just to start to, if you're going to grow in making disciples, try a few things. Don't be afraid to fall off the board. You're training. You're training, applying what you've learned, maybe here, maybe from Pastor Danny or Pastor Larry or other people that have gone on uh, and delivered some great inspirations from the Lord, some truths from the Lord, put it into motion. Train. Remember uh, Luke 7, the Lord just closes up a great series of teaching. He says, you know, you're going to build your house. You're going to build your life. You're going to build your house. It's either going to be on the beach or on the rock. Those who apply what I've said are like the guy that builds a house on a rock. So when the storms of life come, that house stands up strong. It won't be rocked. So I love that with the training observation. And the other thing is make your shots 
count. Now we looked at five principles. We looked at three last week, but there are five principles that Paul breaks out in this 1 Corinthians 9. Number one, always start by finding common ground with folks. Number two, avoid projecting to others all you know or how your views are the correct views. And number three, accept everyone regardless of their issues. And number four, today, number four, be sensitive. Be sensitive to the culture of others. Now, sensitivity, ooh, misunderstood. And in our age of political correctness and oversensitivity, and, it, it, and it, it's like everybody's got these camps and everybody, uh, I'm tired of being sensitive in the public and I'm, I let my hair down and, and there's just all this, what is sensitivity? It's, the word is delicately aware of the attitudes and feelings of others. Sensitive. Remember Hugh Halter, two men's retreats ago, soft eyes. He had to learn how to hunt with soft eyes, not being so focused on looking for a deer, but take it back in full picture and wait for the movement with soft eyes. And that's what I think is, somebody said it last week, and maybe it was in my Zoom discipleship group meeting. Brilliant recall. Soft eyes. Sensitive. Had a guy, uh, you know, my only outlet since the shelter in place has surfing. The only, it's me, my wife, my daughter, my son occasionally, and you on a phone. You know, I'm, I'm really serious about, I, I'm not out, but I walk down the street and we surf and everybody stays kind of far apart. The media's, they, they love the attention on the beaches and how the spring breakers are messing up everything. But for the most part, people in the water are real aware and are pay attention. And uh, yesterday, What's today? Today's Monday, Sunday. Yesterday, I was out surfing, probably about one o'clock in the afternoon, gorgeous day. I'm paddling for a wave. I'm in the takeoff zone. I'm at the peak of the wave where it's pitching. And I got a guy, and he's probably 25 years old, and he's off of his board, floating on the board like he's in a pool in Cabo. You know what I'm saying? Like this. Got a girl to the right. Got a girl to the left. And there's everybody's on boards, but he's off his board floating. And I'm heading right towards him. He's in the middle of the takeoff zone. And I literally have to roll my board because he ain't moving. Roll my board, get tumbled. I don't have a leash because I'm trying to go up to the back of the board and I'm training and how to do my thing. So I tumble, board goes. I come up and he's still floating like he's got a margarita at, at, at a club med. And so what I said, I'm pretty proud of. I said, hey, next time, and I do this, maybe paddle a little bit. Maybe just paddle a little bit. And that way you can get out the way of the next guy coming down the line. Nice, serious. Board's gone. My board's gone. And then he says, or you could just go around me. Now, there's something called traps that the enemy sets. He said, I subdue my body, says Paul. He, not the enemy. Paul says, I subdue my body and I make it my slave, my flesh, self-control, discipline last week. And, and, and I said, yeah, uh, pretty hard to do when I'm not in the wave, but I guess I could have. Regardless of what you do next time, I says to the kid, I want you to have a great day. And I swim towards my board. I thought, 
I won that deal. I was gracious. I had soft, I was sensitive to his culture, his immaturity, his ignorance. Maybe he was brought up in um, a, a, the kind of a athletic culture where you just physically dominate everybody everywhere you go. Those guys are joys to live with, by the way. And if you're a wife leaning in, and if you live with that guy, you know what I'm talking about. You just got to push and shove. You could have went around me. Pumps his chest out. I say, whatever you do, I want you to have a great day. I swam into the board and I went, I was sensitive to his culture. He hadn't been trained. He hadn't been taught. Clearly, he hasn't been taught by the old school surfers who would have just run him clean over without saying a word to teach him. When you get in front of somebody, you get run clean over. Or a tutor who would have said, bro, move. The, the, the sets are coming this way. Get on your board and paddle out of the way. He, I was sincerely sensitive to the fact he hadn't been taught. He's floating in a state of ignorance, not stupidity. He's just, he hasn't been taught manners, respect, or how to surf. Or worse, which I don't even want to get into, but I had soft eyes. And when you have soft eyes, you get the bigger picture. And I realized as I was swimming for the board, it was more about the people that were watching me respond than him. Because see, I want to fish for men and women. I want to fish for people so that I can awaken as many to the Lord and his kingdom and the good news that I can. And I went, I had soft eyes there. I was sensitive there. And I didn't fall into the trap of flesh. Now, I just come into the global headquarters here and, I, and, I, and I'm greeted. I don't know if you can see this by my little friend. I think you can see that little guy. He's actually a big guy. And so it's kind of nice. We're out here in the country and I wake, I come out and open the door and I got my little friend who forgets. Now, I catch probably seven or eight rats, mice between the, the house and the shed a week because it's springtime and they're all like tearing into everything. And he had to walk over three of his dead buddies that are at the door. And he saw that trap and he thought, no, I'm quicker than my friends. Well, there he is as a legacy to dumbness. And I thought, how many other times have I fallen into traps of reacting when some ignorant, unschooled, un I'm sensitive to the fact that everybody's not viewing situations like I am, the country religion, politics, race, sensitive to cultures around us. I love that. Now, there's another trap that I want to talk about, introverts. Not that introverts are a trap, but I had a couple questions on some of the chat. What about us introverts? Thank you for your honesty. And Paul was an extrovert, had to have been. Do you know Hugh Halter's an introvert? My friend Dale Hummel? is an introvert. Some of the greatest evangelists I know are introverts. Being an introvert doesn't limit you. In my estimation, it might even be a benefit to these five principles. But you can't use the introvert as a trap for yourself to limit you. This is, this is, this is not just for extroverts. Now, I have limitations as an extrovert. I often, I don't know if you've noticed, put my foot in my mouth. I probably repel more people than I attract. 
Introverts have a different calling and a different awareness and a different effectiveness because you're purposeful in your speech. You're thoughtful. It's You have so many more opportunities in so many different ways than I do. And so don't forget Ephesians 2.10, we're all masterpieces, all different, one of a kind, created for great moments, great works, great things that the Lord has predestined for intersections. This was an intersection with this kid. Now, I've, I've grouped three kinds of fish as I'm fishing for men. One is the guy who's just checking out the bait. There's people that were watching that scene that are just checking it out. There's nibblers. Nibblers pull on what I'm saying, what's happening, what we're awakening, what the Lord is sparking in their spirit. They're nibbling and there's biters and they're hooked, right? There's three kinds of people. And, and I was really excited because I was sensitive to the culture, his culture of how he handled and he's uh, wherever he learned how to surf or whatever he was doing. Oh, by the way, next half hour later, he's coming surfing on a wave. So I know he, he knows how to surf. He was actually pretty good. And he's surfing on a wave coming. And now I'm in his way. But I was now privy to people or watching me paddled really hard and really fast to move out of his zone so he could have a clean face. And again, I went, people are watching how I handled that guy. And it's to my benefit, which brings me to number five. Use every opportunity to share the good news with everybody. Now, I've been surfing with this kid named Oscar. And his Instagram name is Oscar Not Wild. <laughs> and he's kind of an introvert. He is Russian. Uh, yes, my Russian people. And he is... Uh, Looks Brazilian, looks uh, actually Colombian, olive skin, beard. I mean, I would have never guessed he was Russian. Really, really nice guy, tech guy, works remotely three days a week. I've sold him a couple surfboards. I've known him for two years. And yesterday, I believe it was because of how I handled the fool in the surf break. We start talking on a little deeper level. And he said he was worried for the first time in his life about his industry because he's tech, not streaming, not, uh, he's a tech guy that does interfacing, I think. He builds the mainframes in office scenarios. Like my CPA has a mainframe room. They have their own network. I think it's called network. And his company, like Jason Thigpen, supplies and works on and delivers the mainframe. But he said, everybody's working remotely now. Nobody's on mainframes. And he said, my technology is a little outdated. And he says, this might have been the death nail. And I says, Oscar, not wild. Listen, worry's going to kill you. I think more people are going to have cancer in two years than corona because of how they're panicking about this whole thing. Not minimizing the corona. I'm just saying People worry and stress are killers. And I said, you could worry about it or you could take the advice of your old buddy, Mark, and say that every closed door I've ever experienced opens up a whole new series of doors. And what you've learned in your years with this company, you will be able to apply. And what you've gone through, you will be able to take into your next field. And there is no end to what you're experiencing. There's just a new beginning. 
and he was like pale. Like I'm thinking, am I am I not talking Russian? What what? He goes, that's so simple. Man, I love talking to you. He's never talked to me. I mean, like it. He said, I feel so much better. Why haven't I? You know, and it was like he's nibbling. He's nibbling, but he was watching for years. He's seen my full moon parties. He's been around the barbershop. He's been in and around these people that I've had spiritual conversations with, and he's watching. And so he took a nibble, and he liked what he tasted. And so that's going to go somewhere. Use every opportunity to share the good news with others. Now, there's actually five groups. Cinco. Happy Cinco de Mayo, by the way. It's coming. I think it's tomorrow. I think it's as you're watching this at Dust Patrol. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Taco Tuesday. Cinco de Mayo. Are you kidding? There's five groups, not three. There's the checking it out. There's the nibbling. There's the hooked. There's the not interested. Okay. You can't. Okay. You've run your race. You've been free to serve everybody. You are serious about, you are focused. Your intent is there and you're applying tools. They're not interested. They're not interested. You can't change. Okay. And the fifth group are the guys that have fallen out of the backpack. Now, listen. I'm going to go to Steve Cavallaro. No. I'm going to finish my thought, then go to Steve Cavallaro's awesome observation. I'm coming down the stairs in front of Jack O'Neill's house, who just died about four years ago in Pleasure Point, and I'm going to go surfing. Did I mention I surf? Just mention the Lord, mention surfing, and how about our old friend Sparky, who's sitting with the king right now? Those three things we got to always mention. Going down the stairs, and my buddy named Peter is coming up the stairs with a big backpack, water backpack, and a huge paddleboard. Peter probably chimes in at 300 pounds plus. Peter can rip. You ever seen a 300-pounder in a ripped-up, torn-up wetsuit? Off the lip on a really big surfboard, it's my friend Peter. He's huge. He's really makes his own guitar, makes his own surfboards, retired from the tech industry like 10 years ago, a gazillionaire, writes music. He's probably 50, really sweet guy, just kind of a different kind of guy. And he was out fishing. And I go, Peter, what are you, what are you so grumpy for? Now, Peter, a fisherman, are you already with me? Are you tracking with me? Comes up. And I go, what's with the face? He says, had a 30-inch halibut. And I'm thinking, oh, a seal grabbed it, or it fell off the line, or what, whatever. All the guys are fishing out in the kelp right now. They're, they're pulling out all kinds of big fish. And I says, what happened? And he says, I get off my paddleboard coming in. I'm walking up the beach, and I bend down to pick up the oar right on the edge of the water, and he slips out of the backpack. If you see my fish, call me. Walks away. I'm going down the steps and I'm thinking, that was from the Lord. There are guys that have slipped out of our backpack. They were caught, reeled in, pulled into community, walking with the Lord, maybe for the last 20 years, maybe for the last 20 months, maybe for the last 20 weeks. Yes, we're going to become fishers of men to win those who previously weren't won, but there are so many among us that have slipped out of the backpack that are used to be in community, but have fallen back into the world. Those guys we need to fish for too. 
those guys we need to bring back into community, kind of reawaken them. That's a great place to start. Go through your phone. Think of all the guys that used to be with us, but we know they're not doing well. I'm not going to mention a bunch of names. And fish for those guys. Fish for Peter's 30-inch halibut that fell out of the backpack. Man, thank you, Lord. And so basically we're fishing for everybody. We're taking advantage of every opportunity to awaken folks to the good news. And now a quick word from a great observation from our dear friend Steve Cavallero, and I'll wrap it up. Hey, fellas and Mark, Steve Cavallero here. Uh, just uh, in looking at 1 Corinthians 9, there's something I can't quite get my head around and something I struggle with. I mean, I, I appreciate Paul and his teachings um, about how he needs to, uh, uh, he wants to change lives. And, and a way to change lives is by adapting to the culture, by adapting to the people around him. He says uh, he's free from all, but he makes himself a servant to all um, so that he might win them over or win, win them over to the cause or the case of Christ. Um, and he tells, he tells the folks in his letter in 1 Corinthians, he says, hey, my faith is so good um, I'm not bound by any ritual. I'm not bound by any man-made tradition. I have the freedom uh, to be a Jew when I need to be a Jew in verse 21, to, to, to be as one who is weak, to win over the folks that are weak. Uh, later in the chapter, he says, but there's something I can't get my head around. With all that Paul talks about and the example he is, the very last, um, the very last uh verse in that chapter says this. He says in verse 27 of uh, 1 Corinthians 9, but I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. And I, I'm not sure I get it, right? We know what Paul has been. We know his previous life. We know his conversion. He was a zealot. He was a, a, a Jew amongst Jews, a student, uh, you know, actively sought to persecute Christians, had this amazing transformation. Now he's sharing with people how to lead them to Christ, right? How to, how to engage in the culture of those times, um, that he's free to do that. And then he says, but I might get disqualified. I need help with that because I'm struggling with exactly what would disqualify Paul with all he's done, with everything he's done for the cause of Christ? How can somebody like that still have that seed of doubt that says, yeah, but even still, I might be disqualified. I need some help with that. Thanks, fellas. That's a good word. That's a great catch, Steve. The whole thing ends. The whole thing ends with I, myself, do not want to be disqualified for the prize. Well, there's a lot of debate over that little line. There's three main camps. I don't want to bore you with the two camps that I don't really think there's any validity to. And one camp is that you can lose your salvation because you're not winning people to Christ. Okay, that's not what he said. That's for sure. You're either sealed in the spirit or you're not. You're sealed. Ephesians. Check it out. Born again. Saved. Purchased. Adopted. You know, now, if you look at verse 24, do you know that all runners who run in a race run to get a prize? 
So run your race as to win the prize. And he closes that thought with, I don't want to be disqualified for the race. 12 years ago, maybe 14 years ago, we're up at a family camp called Berkeley Tuolumne City Camp up outside of Tuolumne Meadows. My family's, my wife's family's been going there since the 40s, pre-World War II, I think 1937 is when they started going tent cabins on the Tuolumne River. Fantastic. And there's San Jose Family Camp as well. And when they would have volleyball competitions and oh, probably 200 families at a time, great food, just a fantastic experience. Our kids were raised there, going there every summer. Really neat. burned up five years ago in the big fire up there outside of Yosemite. They're actually in the process of rebuilding it. It'll probably be so cool. I won't even be able to afford to go back for one night. But back to the story. My wife and I played tennis, or not tennis, badminton, and met a couple. They were European. I don't know how they found out about Berkeley Tuolumne Camp, and I could tell because most people stayed seven to ten days. And watching them eat and watching them interact with their kids and watching them that there was something, a crisis in their family, in their marriage, in their extended family, there was there was just heaviness. Well, we end up playing against them for the badminton championship. It was so fun. They were so sweet. We were th- hot nights under the lights. The camp there, it was so fun. And the Lord, for the entire time I was there, kept prompting me, talk to them, lean into them, lean into her especially, talk to her, fish get some bait out there. And I was so burned out. We were building the rock at that time. So that'll date it right there. It might've been 18 years ago. And, and I was just tired, really tired. Actually, we might've been, I don't know, maybe building men's ministry. I forget, but I was tired. And I said, Lord, I'm just burned out. And the last day we were at camp, I looked down onto the coffee area where they had a bunch of Adirondack chairs, like 50 of them around the big fire and people hang out there and drink coffee and wine and stuff. And I looked down in that circle and I saw this like new age lady or something with a bag full of rocks and reading this lady's palm and putting rocks on the palm and stuff. And I went, I missed it. I missed it. I was disqualified from that race, from that intersection, from that moment. God knows who his runners are. It's interesting that the more alert and focused and obedient I get to what he's doing around me, the more opportunities he puts before me. And when I'm tired and when I'm selfish and when I'm focused on me and not on what God's doing around me, there are far less opportunities. It's because I've disqualified myself. My life has become sin management or self-management, not kingdom-minded. I've disqualified myself from those series of running. Some of us have been disqualified for 10 years, 20 years. Not, not loved, not, not sealed, not, not saved, just disqualified from the race and the adrenaline of the prize. And the prize is like JP said a couple of weeks ago, being able to stand with a brother when he opens up his heart to the king of kings, being able to stand with like-minded brothers. I get to spend... Uh, an hour and a half with 12 dudes on a Zoom call after this at Dust Patrol, that's a great race. I could have disqualified myself from that. I could have missed that opportunity, but I'm not disqualified from that race. So I say that because maybe it's time to start looking for 
halibuts that just fell out of somebody's backpack. Way easier to catch. Do you know I paddled out and uh, it was a great day surfing. This was about maybe 10 days ago, maybe eight days ago. And you know, all I was doing was looking through the water for Peter's fish. I don't think I caught a whole wave. I was just kind of floating around the kelp, kind of looking for a halibut. I think that's right where the Lord wants us. Looking for people who need to be awakened to who God is with every opportunity. They're either going to lean in and check out the bait, nibble, or bite, or be rejected. Or maybe they used to be in community. They too are sealed, but they have disqualified themselves and need somebody to walk with them, shepherd them back into right relationship with the King of Kings. They have fallen out of community. They have fallen out of the Lord's backpack. That is a great way to live. And those prizes are worth everything to buffet our bodies, to make them our slaves so we don't end up in a rat trap focused on ourselves and focused on our problems and focused on what we don't have and who we're not have, who we're not and the gifts we don't have versus the opportunities. I love the quote that opportunity always comes dressed in overalls, smells like sweat and looks like work. That's the opportunity of industry. But the spiritual opportunities always come in overalls because there's going to be some effort required. Smells like grace. And I'm just making this up as we go, but it's pretty good. In overalls, because it's work to refocus ourselves. Smells like grace. And uh, I don't know. Looks like fun. Doesn't look like work. Looks like adventure. Looks like uh, getting to know somebody who's completely different than you to understand them better so we can understand how to uh, uh, attract them, fish for them, and awaken them spiritually. And then we get to walk with them and teach them just what we know and turn them into fishers of men. God bless you, fellas. Don't forget, next week, we're going to start three weeks of my three favorite parables that have to do with being a great disciple or making great disciples on location. And I can't wait. And I love you brothers. And I want you to have a great day and a great week and honor God with recognizing some Ephesian 2.10 moments and don't be afraid to mess it up and do it wrong like a trainer training for an event. God bless you, my brothers. Peace.